0: Hi, my name's Rodrigo, and this is the Way of the Wayfarer podcast, where we explore ways to shine and make a difference in this world while we wait for our eternal home. And today, we're continuing our series on holiness. On our last episode, we talked about God's holiness and how it is something that we often think of in terms of something that we should be afraid of or something that keeps us at bay. And certainly, the Bible talks about holiness in that way. But the other way that the Bible talks about holiness is in something that God, in that it's a part of God's character that he actually wants to and shares with everything that he touches, whether it be objects or people. If you think about something like the tabernacle, it would have been just an old tent were it not for the presence of God. The same goes for the temple, which would have been just a building were it not for the presence of God. And even when we think about the nation of Israel, what made the nation of Israel special was the fact that God was present among them. God wanted his people, the people of Israel, to be holy because he was holy. And in order for them to do that, what he does is that he gives them a law that they're supposed to follow that will make them both ritually and morally pure, just so that they could be in contact with him. At the same time, though, God clearly wanted his holiness to be reflected in his people. He expected the people of Israel to represent his holiness to the rest of the world around them, which really brings us to the subject of this podcast, which is, what about our holiness? What are we supposed to do with it? And just like we mentioned before, uh, one of the ways in which we tend to think about the topic of holiness and the way that we define it is by talking about how it is supposed to set us apart. And let me be very clear, the Bible does talk about that. It is not wrong to see holiness in that way. It's a very good definition of holiness. However, really what I want to touch on in this podcast is that it's not the only way in which holiness, when it comes to people is addressed in the Bible, and probably the most uh, the the best example of this is in the book of Ezekiel. And in the book of Ezekiel, in verses forty through forty-eight, Ezekiel has this vision of the temple. And just to give you a little bit of context, the uh, the 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 Jews have now been in exile for about fourteen years, and Ezekiel has this vision about the temple. And the vision goes into a lot of detail about the new temple and how much it measures and what goes where and all of this other stuff, which is a great vision because during the time that Ezekiel has this vision, the temple is actually completely destroyed. And in chapter 47, as part of this vision that Ezekiel has, he sees water coming from the temple and it flows towards the Dead Sea. Now, what's super interesting about this is that the water flows more and more out of the temple towards the Dead Sea, and on its path, uh, the, the area around the Dead Sea is very arid. There's very little life. There's very little plant life. The Dead Sea in and of it itself is a body of water that is salty, And what Ezekiel sees is that as this water overflows out of the temple, it begins to bring life to an area that has very little life, and it even makes the salty water of the Dead Sea fresh water. And there's a lot of debate as to what fulfills this vision, this prophecy that Ezekiel has. And even though we're not going to really settle that here, the most likely interpretation for this vision is that the church is this overflow that is coming from the temple. This actually makes a lot of sense because if you think about it, when Jesus dies for us and the Holy Spirit now comes and dwells in us, the Bible talks about how now we are the temple. The temple is no longer a building, the temple are the people who follow Christ. And if you follow the vision that Ezekiel has in chapter 47, what's supposed to be born out of the new temple is life. And this makes sense. And even if you look at the early chapters of the book of Acts, what you see is that the church is an agent of change and of life in a very, very good way. And I want to read this to you. This is in Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing to the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And again, what we see early on in the book of Acts is a group of people who basically brought life and goodness to everything it touched. The apostles were healing people, the members of the church were helping each other, they were making a difference in their community. There even seems to be a renewed devotion and a hunger to really learn the word and learn from the word. What we see in the early church is sort of a fulfillment of this vision in Ezekiel in which the people who are now the temple are bringing life to the world around them. And this is true for us as well. We, even though we're not the early Christians, we are still Christians, and we are the temple of God. And again, in Christianity, there is an expectation that we behave a certain way. We're to behave a certain way morally. God makes that very clear to us, and certainly that is part of our holy living. But the other part of our holy living it's supposed to be much like what we see in the book of Acts, that we're supposed to bring life to the places that we live in and the things and the people that we interact with. We are the fulfillment. The church is the fulfillment of Ezekiel 47, and as water flows, it brings life to the things it touches. Even Peter says this, and this is in 1 uh, Peter 2. I want to read this to you. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, which is awesome, all right? But I really want you to hear the second part of this. It says, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The holiness we receive from Christ is not just supposed to sit there and do nothing What we're supposed to do with this newfound identity as God's holy nation is supposed to be that we go out into the world and proclaim His goodness, that we proclaim the excellencies of God. Think about that. Like God makes us into a holy people not for us to necessarily retreat from the world, but to announce to the world of the greatness of God. That was the same mission that Israel had. God's expectation of Israel as a holy nation wasn't just that they were supposed to be ritually and morally pure, is that they were supposed to be a light to the world around them. God makes us holy, and that holiness is supposed to be shared with others. Now, The question really becomes, how do we do that? There are two things that seem like conflict with this whole concept of holiness, however, because uh, there are sort of two expectations. On the one hand, we are supposed to be this group of people that proclaims the excellencies of God. And on the other hand, we're also supposed to remain pure. Even if we continue reading on this passage that we just read about being a holy nation, Peter says this, he says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. And again, Peter just got done talking about how we're a holy nation, and as a result of that, he addresses the fact that we're not supposed to live like the world does. And this really brings two things into conflict, that on the one hand, we're sort of to, to keep ourselves from the world and live a different way, and on the other hand, there's the fact that God wants us to proclaim his goodness. And the question comes then into how are we supposed to do both? How do we keep ourselves away from the world and abstain from the passions of the flesh and at the same time proclaim the greatness of God into a world without really participating in it? Participating in it. We have to be in the world to be able to talk to people and interact with them in order to tell them about God. And if you are a student or if you uh, have a job or if you're a human, basically, this is something that I think even I constantly struggle with. As I live in my neighborhood and I interact with all of my neighbors and stuff, how much of sort of regular, all-everyday life do I partake in? How much do I uh, talk about the shows that people are watching? How much do I... Uh, You know, if I work uh, at a job and on Friday afternoons when it's quitting time, uh, people go to a bar to have some drinks and reminisce about the week and build friendships, do I partake of that? If I'm a student, do I uh, go to the movies with my friends? So, like, again, I think there are two things that sort of bring come into conflict. On the one hand is that we're supposed to live our old lives behind, and on the other, that we're supposed to sort of be part of the world so that we can proclaim the goodness of God. And, uh, I don't know that there's necessarily a perfect solution or a perfect answer to that question, but I do want to offer you, uh, two things that are sort of one in the same. One of them, uh, is again, continuing in this, in this passage in First Peter 2, um, one of the interesting things is that one of the things that Peter addresses in the, in his book is persecution. And when talking about being persecuted, this is what he says. It says this is in first Peter 2, verse 12, it says, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. One of the interesting things about what Peter is saying here is the fact that uh, even when people are talking bad about the disciples here that he's talking to, his way to solve that situation is for them to be honorable. And I think one of the ways in which that really addresses this question that we're asking of how do we both remain pure and at the same time share of our holiness is to be just like God is, to be utterly unique. What Peter is saying here is that the conduct of the disciples who are being spoken badly about, that they can be so honorable, that they can be so outstanding in character, that that will change people's minds about them. Think about that for a second. We don't often think about our good conduct as being something that endears us to people. But that's what Peter is talking about here. That people would feel uh, that they would go as far as glorifying God because they see their good deeds. Because they see the honorable way in which people conduct their lives. That is a powerful thought. That is a powerful idea. And I think one of the ways in which this thought helps us is that it's not by sort of lowering themselves to the world standards, to the Gentile standards, that they were supposed to win them over. It's by being above them. And see, here's the thing. Again, I want you to think of a scenario in which you're in your neighborhood, your job, your school, a lot of times we shrink back from being uh, good moral people because we think that is going to uh, alienate us from people. But what Peter is saying here is that the honorable behavior of the disciples was going to do the opposite. And I want to be very clear I don't think that this is true for everybody. There were still some people that weren't going to like them, but for some people, Seeing true honesty, true humility, true care for others, true love, true sincerity, all of those things, for some people, it does make a difference. We cannot be afraid to be holy because it is going to alienate us from people. We need to think of a, a holiness, the way that God expresses his holiness. When God came into contact with people and things, he changed them. God is holy, and he shared that holiness with people, and in turn that holiness changed people. It's the same thing for us. Our holiness is not meant to be something that keeps us away from people. To a certain degree, it is something that is supposed to endear us to people. There is no uh, school, there is no class setting, there is no workplace, there is no neighborhood that you could tell me wouldn't benefit and be greatly benefited by the fact that there are people in it who are honest, who are humble, who have a great deal of integrity, who love people deeply, who care for others more than they care about themselves. See, the way that we fulfill this scripture in Ezekiel 47, in which water comes out of the temple, is not necessarily uh, by just partaking in everyday life, is by leading lives that are exceptional. Even when we think of Jesus, and I think this is a second part of this, Jesus was all of the things that I just talked about. He was completely honest. He was incorruptible. He had a great deal of integrity. He treated people with compassion and care that made people impressed by him. One of the biggest things that we, can, that we want to explore in this podcast is really how can we be like Jesus as we are travelers in this world? This is not our home. This is not where we belong. We belong in heaven, but as we wait, we're supposed to be the image of God. We're supposed to be the image of Christ. And Christ changed the world by being utterly unique, by being different from anything else that anybody had ever seen. See, we are afraid a lot of times to be holy because we think that it's going to do the opposite of what it is supposed to do which is to tell the world, like, listen, I'm different, but I'm different in a way that is awesome. I am honest, and I am humble, and I deeply care about you. And in a world like the one we live in, that makes a huge difference. And yes, some people may look at that and be like, ah, look at that guy, but there will be others that will be impressed and attracted and will even be changed by our unique and exceptional behavior. So go out there into the world and share your holiness, not just merely by talking about church or by sharing scripture with people, but by being, and yes, do those things, absolutely, but also by being utterly unique the same way that Christ, was utterly unique. Thank you so much for listening to this. We appreciate your time. And uh, if you're listening to this or watching it, please subscribe to our podcast or subscribe to our YouTube or Facebook page and uh, make sure you give us uh, uh, a lot of likes. And please comment on this. Let's start a discussion and let's talk about, uh, put in the comments, how it is that you uh, feel that like you can really live a life that is holy, that can make a big difference in this world. And, again, thank you so much for watching slash listening, and I guess we'll catch you on the next one.